Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome everybody to another episode of Float Your Boat. You're here with the inimitable Brett Pattinson. Hello. And myself, George Savados. Uh, who do we have on today? Today we have... Uh, don't, 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 don't. I once met... A guy. <laughs> you could, you could. Not in a back you could room. Sense where this is going. Not in a back His room. His name was David. I used him once upon a time. That's for for design, for shop design. You and, used him. You, and you've always been such out. a user. And he was so good. <clears throat> he was so good. Did I tell you? He's bloody good. And today we've no, got. Uh, 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 and then, and then, I went to a gym, <laughs> and I met another bloke by the name of Igor. Igor the Eagle. Oh, that's right. Yes. And what do those two people have in common? They have a sister and a daughter named Rebecca Vexler. I mean, it's a small world. So we have a lady, but yes, Rebecca. Rebecca, how are you, Rebecca? We have her in the studio as we're... I am fabulous. I'm really enjoying this intro. Really? That was possibly the worst preamble I've ever heard. It was. Because I was going to go on and wax lyrical about your company. I'm kind of hoping you still do. I was trying to fit fit her into the scheme of things. I mean, I'm always amazed at how small the world is. Yeah, it's pretty, I think it's very connected. We were definitely meant to meet. Well, uh, absolutely. Sooner or later. Your mum's next. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She'll be great. You'll love her the most. (laughs) Today we've got a little, um, like a little sheet out there on how many inappropriate things George can say in three interviews today. Uh, bring it on. Well, what did I say? It was inappropriate. Uh, and we're going to use her mother, your mother next. <laughs> well, I may as well meet the whole family. <laughs> they might want to meet you. Well. The only reason well, Igor talks to you is because we're in the gym. That's true. Yeah, but it's a roll-on effect. Yeah, it is. You'll meet my grandparents first, actually. That'll probably happen. Then mum and, oh. yeah, oh, you'll love them. As long as they have some vodka and piroshki for me, I'm fine. Without a doubt. So, Rebecca, let's get started on the interview. Mm. Um, I was wondering how we'd approach this interview today because at, at the end result is you've got this amazing brand called Sol. Thank you. S-O-L. S-O-L and you do amazing products. But I thought we should go all the way back to what led you to having this amazing company and um, because we sort of know you, we know that you had a pretty tough time X amount of years ago. So why don't we start with that? Where, how, how did you become unwell or what happened? What were you doing? Just give us a bit of a history. Yeah. You're not going to stretch out. You're not going to stretch our memories that far. You are after all how old? I'm, I just turned 24. And an entrepreneur. Fantastic. So tell us. So it's not too long of a story. So that's the good news. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. Look, I, I guess the, the best place to start is I first probably got the, the beginning part of it, which was the chronic fatigue when I was 14. I was really young. Um, and I was just dealing with a very interesting case of adolescent depression. And that's what it was. It was this, I didn't actually know at the time that that's what I was dealing with, but it was. And then there was that onset of chronic fatigue. And it was quite a few strange years in high school where I was either not going to school at all, 
um, was stuck in bed and that was probably for almost a year and a half. Um, didn't even do my school certificate. I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for that, but yeah, so I had to, to go straight through to year 11 and I was very unwell for most of that time. Um, and by the time I finished high school, I already knew I wanted to have my own business. I already knew that that was how my brain functioned and I couldn't work for anyone else. I tried studying very hard. I did archaeology. I did fine arts. I did, you know, majoring in ancient history and art psychology. Ooh. And that's that was my first passion and absolutely obsessed, still am. That's something so, we have in common. Well, we can talk about that after, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I studied that and, and I ended up doing so much in one year, which is just by my nature, what I do, I put 150% effort into something and I overdid myself in my first year of uni. I probably did two years worth of subjects and I said, you know what, screw it, let's go to Europe. And I traveled and I had the best time I've ever had in my life. Any issue of my depression or illness suddenly vanished because mm. when you're in Europe, you can't help but smile. No stress. No stress. Um, and I came back and I became a personal trainer. A personal um, trainer. Yeah. So I decided I I just, I had such an interesting journey at the ages between 15 um, and 18 with my health and with my fitness that I was so inspired by my own personal trainer at the time. She, the, there was this slight condition where I kind of had zero energy where it was like chronic fatigue, but similar to what I have now where my muscles weren't functioning properly. And she rehabilitated me from zero to normal, mm. which was so, so inspiring for someone at 15 to have someone with real passion and education for health and mental health and, you know, how learning how to meditate and breathe through your belly as opposed to your chest and just teaching me all these amazing, amazing things that I thought there's something in me that wants to do that for other people. And I felt very connected and you can ask anyone in my family I love telling other people what to do. <laughs> um, I felt very connected and very comfortable with having that position where I was coaching someone and being a personal trainer is so, so, um, you know, underrated sometimes because it's really hard work. If you're passionate about it and you're real about it, you are somebody's life coach. You mm. are their therapist. You are their, you know, nutritionist. You're their, mm. you know, fitness coach and you're everything and you're their best friend as well. So had amazing clients. I had a gym with, um, well, I was managing a little gym in Dover Heights or helping assist with that. And I loved it. And I loved my clients and I loved helping people. And um, I focused so hard on that where I actually started a little business that was to specialize in coaching and mentoring in mental health in high schools and universities. So we'd go and do little seminars and talks that sort of by my nature, grew really quickly and I wanted to take it to a whole new level where it was about taking business productivity, taking employees, taking people in the workplace who had mental health issues or had struggles trying to concentrate or focus about whatever they were working on and somehow merge that with the psychology of health and fitness and hormones and science and, you know, exercise physiology and actually create a program where we partnered with corporates to work with these employees and create a really amazing result. Um, I had an awesome team. I had so many professionals working on this. Um, and then that's kind of when I got really sick myself. So do you, do you recall the lead up to that? Oh, yeah. I am so stubborn. I am so, so stubborn where I was training myself 
probably two to three hours a day because that was my release. That was my mental health issue. That was something I was battling and it was my escape and my therapy. Um, so I would train myself stupid, you know, until midnight, until, you know, four in the morning, five in the morning, whatever it was, while trying to run this company, while still training clients all day and being part of this beautiful gym up in Dover Heights. And I just was getting so burnt out where I remember little injuries in my knees and little things that were really unusual for me or the, you know, sugar drops during the day or like, I think I passed out like three separate times. <laughs> I've ended up in hospital before. I mean, if you do meet my mom, she'll tell you fabulous stories. I bet. Um, you know, I've really pushed myself to the edge multiple times. And because I'm so stubborn and so, you know, blind to concern of my own health at that time, I just pushed through it because... So the, the warning signs... <clears throat> excuse me. The warning signs were there. Oh, yeah. Oh, but 100%. But you didn't listen to them. I, it's even worse because I'm smart enough to listen to them. I'm smart enough to understand them. But I, in my own, you know, sense of ego or pride or whatever I was trying to prove, because whatever journey I was on, I sort of said, well, you know, if I'm allowed to swear, <laughs> tough yeah. shit, yeah. Um, deal with it. You're, you're 21 or however old I was, you know, you've got more energy than, than that. You can, you can get over it and wake up and get on with it um, because that's kind of the, the mentality I have is if I say I'm going to do something, I will. And it just happens and I make it happen. And if unfortunately that impacted on my own health and I was too stubborn to, you know, learn to say no to something. Well, what do you think? What do you think, um, you know, when you say you said you, you know, when you say something is going to happen, it will. Mm. But there seems to be an undercurrent there that says at all costs. At any cost. And that's right. And so that's, what do you think's driving that? Well, this is the most fascinating thing. So I, I've i been trying to understand that myself for a really long time. And funnily well, enough... for 24 years. Well, you mentioned my brother as well. And I feel like David and I might have a very similar little, um, you know, essence. So we both constantly try to understand our drive and where it comes from because it, it is truly innately within us. And there's no particular external force that's driving it. I'm not money hungry. I don't care about money because as you and I spoke previously, you know, my mentality on that, it's, you know, it comes and it goes. Um, and I'm not driven by, you know, trying to prove a point to anyone in particular. It's, it's more about I have very high expectations of myself and of how the world functions. And that's something that I just need to work on to, to learn to, mm. to refine and to, to feel content in not having to, you know, prove something to myself because that's that's what it is, mm. I guess. So when the when the walls came crashing down. Yes. What what happened? That was a very very hard couple months. Um so obviously being part of the fitness industry and being so passionate about it, that was my whole life as you can understand mm. how my brain already functions. Um I was obsessed. So it was very unhealthy and knowing that I woke up one morning, basically what happened, after two weeks of very strange leg pain in my knees um, that got progressively worse, I woke up one morning and I legitimately couldn't walk. I couldn't, couldn't probably get out of bed, couldn't get to the kitchen, still living with my mom, couldn't really like even <coughs> communicate to her what was going on because she was asleep and, you know, I didn't really know what was happening. And, and I eventually got out of bed and struggled to, to walk to the, to the kitchen and I couldn't even pick up a glass. I had zero energy, which was 
unlike any other feeling that I've experienced with chronic fatigue because that that can happen. Um, It was like literally not being able to lift the glass to my head that was empty with just like my body was almost shaking and couldn't really stand up. I had to, to be sitting down and it was this weird, weird moment and went back to bed and we went straight to the to the doctors, not to the hospital. Um, and imagine for the next two months, no one had a single clue what was going on. So you had rafts of tests, lots oh, of tests. Everything, <clears throat> every um, single, every kind of test or pre- like process that I could have gone through to, to deal with whether it was autoimmune, whether it was, you know, some something in, in the blood. Like, you know, we just, we did all the MRI, all the scans, all the blood tests, everything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and progressively it would get worse. And I 100% correlate my stress and depression and upset about what was happening to it getting worse, Mm. 100%. Um, So on top of it being weakness and no strength and obviously, you know, this odd sensation in the body, it was chronic pain. So it was head-to-toe pain, could not physically take steps. It was so horrifically painful in the legs especially. Um, And... The, the mentality, like the thoughts you've got in your head is basically, am I going to be able to walk again? Am I going to be able to train or exercise or move? And what do you do next? And then I have doctors telling me, you probably won't be able to walk very well again. You'll need a walking stick or God, if it gets worse, you'll need a wheelchair. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Shut up. <laughs> 20, 21 at 21. No, this was, this was 23. This was last year. 23. 20. They were writing you off. Basically, I mean, they're going, your tests look fine. You've got no inflammation showing in your body. Um, you know, there's nothing really wrong with you. All your test results are perfectly fine. It's, it's clearly an autoimmune disease. You've got fibromyalgia. This is the title they give you when you don't really know what's wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that's just what you've got. So, you know, good luck. <laughs> so just a timeline thing. So this is only... This is only a yeah, year ago. Yeah, this is a year ago. So this you, is really recent. So you you gave up fitness coaching at that point and it, so that, yeah. was, that was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, I'm kind of confused with the timeline now. Mm. 2018 feels so weird. But um, mm, yeah, mm. so it would have been 2016 in about mm-hmm. October that it happened. And I wasn't even ready to let go of my clients. It was such a dramatic moment because I had the most unbelievable family of clients that weren't willing to let go of me either. So I was still training them at home. I'd be sitting in a chair with like a hot water bottle and like a blanket and I'd have, I'd be training my clients in their own house. <laughs> it's like weird. I, I know, but it was like, <laughs> so it was like we weren't ready to let, let go of each other, like, you know, it was like very Granny Smith. It was like yeah, <laughs> Granny personal yeah, training. Yeah, wow. exactly. But I, that was my mindset. I just wasn't willing to let go of it. Like I could barely get down I've got one girl who who you had to walk down the stairs to get to her like basement area where I train her normally, and um, I couldn't get down the stairs. So, but I'd still like find a way to train her. It was just hilarious. So, so at, at the lowest point, mm. where did you get to mentally? Oh, um, yeah, that was it. Was I'd never experienced that kind of depression before. So like I said, I'd had gone through it since 14 and, you know, you, you go through bounds, it goes up and down and it's a different kind of, it's, that was more hormonal and mm-hmm. chemical because I'm a teenager, whatever's going on. But this was very odd. It was a very dark place and I couldn't control it. There mm. was, for the first time in my life, I had zero control of that depression. 
um, which I'd managed for so many years. And I like I'd be out getting lunch with my mum or something, you know, at a cafe and I would burst into tears. Couldn't couldn't control it. No idea. I was laughing and crying because I didn't understand why I was crying. So it was it was a very, very horrible, dark moment. And it was just I, I didn't actually know what to do. That was the thing. It was there was no solution and I'm very solution based. That's how I function. So I had nowhere forward to progress and that was very hard. But um, look, after three months of basically feeling sorry for yourself, I completely just switched and I said, screw it. If this is what I have to deal with, if this is my life, okay, so shit happens. Let's move on. Um, you know, I'd make, I'd make a family member drive me to the beach every morning and help me down to the sand and I'd take a few steps and that's my morning exercise and, you know, I'd begin the process basically. So, so, that, so right up until today, mm. there's still no, you still don't know what's going on? I have no idea. I have no clue. Um, and do you have still have good days and bad days, or are you yeah, pretty yeah. well? Because I saw you bound over here across the yeah, across yeah. the courtyard this morning, looking fantastic. So. I have I have amazing days. I have such good days where I genuinely don't feel a single thing of pain. Um, but at the same time, it's a mentality thing because I might not have the pain in my legs, but I've got absolute exhaustion, or I've got you know other problems where kind of very, very low on energy generally and um, my blood pressure is really low. A lot of the times I'm kind of almost going to faint. <laughs> you know, there's other other things going on with, with this whole chronic um, autoimmune thing. So I genuinely don't know what's next and I don't know if it will ever go away completely and I still have horrible days where I wake up and I actually just can't get out of bed that day. And is it confusing because generally you're quite an optimistic person and you're quite positive it's it's not confusing. It's more like it's it's upsetting. Well, that's what it is. I mean, as an outsider listening mm. to your story, I, I would say that a lot of that must have been dri- must have been psychosomatic, driven mm. by driven by your state of mind. But having met you and and knowing you as well as I do, um, you're, you're very positive. You're very upbeat. You're very um, gritty. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I am. I'm a very. Um, I'm a resilient person, basically. Right. I'm so that doesn't to have the hallmarks of someone that's suffering. Well, that's the the confu- That's that's the theory, but, isn't it? That's the confusing part that we got to try and figure but out. But even even you telling the story mm. is quite upbeat. It's not like you're telling. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make you cry. <laughs> no. Well, but you know, it, it'd be understandable if you're a bit melancholic, you know, maudlin about the whole mm. thing because I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm. You don't know what the hell's going on, and yet here you are, sounding pretty upbeat, and you've got this company that's going gangbusters, and that must be. Um, how do you maintain that? I feel like. Um, I'm maybe I'm unique. Maybe there's a unique element about me that I just don't allow anything else. Because I think going through depression since you're 14, I, I haven't always been this happy and positive. Mm. Um, you learn coping mechanisms. Hey, and I have three girls at home. I know. Oh, good luck. I know. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and a wife. And a wife. No, I'm sure she's fine. Only just. Um, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was hoping it was like that for the kids, but it's, unfortunately <laughs> I'm stuck with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think just dealing with it's an experience. To be honest, as awful as that is, it's I've been through so many other things mm. that at this point I just go well. 
that's just something else I'm dealing with. And I don't look at it as a problem. I don't look at it as a bad thing anymore because it's just who I am. That's just what mm. I what happens and I'm okay with it and I just have to yeah. figure out the yeah. good stuff. I mean it is it is quite um, quite bizarre because mm. most people who are maudlin and depressed don't do anything. They don't get up to anything. Mm. Yet you have... I use it to my advantage, basically. Yeah. That's, it's a different way to look at it. And you've been I, up to quite a bit. <clears throat> I'm an avid believer of mindset and, and how the brain functions. I really, really love learning about psychology of human behavior and, and brain function. And that's sort of my little side passion. And I truly think that the brain can change itself. And it's, it's yeah. as simple as making an empowered decision. Um, and that's just what I do. That's, that's what, it, what I'm trying to achieve. So, so you you got to a point, your lowest point, and 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 because the timeline isn't long for you, it's yeah. not like George and I where we've well, lived for over well, fifty it must years. Long but to, for her, but it's not for us. Yeah, I, I go, wow, that's just a blink, you know, a blip a, in the map in yeah. the road map. But so you start. So I'm assuming that your company Soul is only fairly new. Yeah, so officially I think we're only one year and one month old, really. My God. So it all started at a very similar time. It's like leaving the fitness industry to me was like the catalyst to saying this definitely needs to happen and faster, which was... Well, hang on a minute. Let's go back a little bit. Yeah. When was the idea first seeded? Mm. Um, A little bit before I, I got unwell. It was a conversation between the family. It was literally just mum, dad, myself and David all and my brother, sorry, sitting sitting around and having a, a little chat and going, you know, there might be something here because I, I don't know if my father's told you about his background and what he does but he specialises in product development and he tends to be that middleman between, you know, having an idea and then manufacturing something. Mm. Um, and so we have that fortunate background where we kind of grew up with a lot of knowledge on it and we sort of said, well, there seems to be something missing in the market here. And maybe it was a gut intuition because war on waste hadn't happened yet, but it was about to, and we had no clue it was going to. Um, but mom and I were really pushing it. We really loved the idea of, you know, we could make make this something special. And, and if I put my effort into it and design something really beautiful, um, and we all do as a family, then who knows? Because I know with my sort of drive that I can make it work as a business and I've experienced enough fails and, you know, adventures in, in startups that I knew what to do now. Um, and obviously David has a world of experience and mm. shared so much with us. And, and yeah, it was just that, it was like little ideas. And, you know, I used to take a glass from home as a trainer to work because I didn't want to take a takeaway coffee cup. Um, and I didn't want to use a plastic one. I didn't want to go out and buy a plastic one. So there was all these little weird little moments that just connected the dots. And eventually, as we slowly, slowly, slowly started talking about it more and even designing it and creating little, you know, drawings and renders, um, that's when it all kind of happened at the same time of me getting quite unwell, me deciding to leave the fitness industry. I was also doing another uni degree. I forgot that. Yeah, I, I went back to uni. That. I went back to study um, business and human resources. In your spare time. Yeah. <coughs> spare time, um, which, which was great, but I, I just felt it was kind of useless for me at the time. Right. Um, so I did end up leaving and stepping away from it as well. 
Now you, um, you chose you chose though specifically not to go with plastic because of a personal yeah belief. What yeah. was that? Um, well, it was just so. Mum also has an autoimmune issue, which are completely non-related, and it's not hereditary or anything. Um, she's got Hashimoto's, so we grew up learning a lot about autoimmune. And I, I generally, as I said, being unwell since fourteen, our, our whole family is obsessed about health. We all always are researching. You can talk to any one of us, and we all have the same mindset in, you know, progressive understanding of what health is. And um, we all agreed that. A, you know, I don't have a microwave at home. We don't, you know, microwave plastic. We don't heat plastic. I don't take plastic containers. I don't use them. I don't buy them. Mm. Um, I just think it's terrible for your hormones, for your for your health, and it affects the body. And, yeah, so we wanted something that felt beautiful, looked beautiful, and was also really, really good for your health. So that was the initial reason. It wasn't environment, even though we care about it. Mm. Obviously, we know about it, but that wasn't what kick-started it. Mm. So what is this stuff that you know about plastic? For example, if you put food in there and pop it in the microwave, what is it that you know it does? Basically, it's as soon as it heats, um, even if it's not boiling point, it's still going to leach chemicals. It's still going to be harmful. Even, it's, even if it's BPA-free? Yeah, so I love that word because BPA tends to be regulated. People know about it. People hear about this. these three letters. Mm-hmm. If you ask anyone, you know, most of the general public don't even know what BPA is. And, and that's the thing and it's, it's just it's just a harmful man-made, you know, element that they're putting into the plastic and that's good enough but if you heat it, it's going to leach into your body. But there are plenty of others that aren't regulated and there's plenty of other chemicals and harmful things in your plastic products that aren't being discussed, aren't regulated, mm. aren't on the, you know, notice board and that's still going into your body and, you know, if you've got children and you're heating milk in the baby bottle that's plastic, like, that's something to think about as well. Um, mm. You know, takeaway containers that you take to work and mm. then you heat in the microwave. It's, mm. It all adds up over time. I mean, you took the health angle, which is great. I mean, the if you took the environmental mm. angle, you know, you're so different in, in appearance and design to most people in that space. I mean, without... without being too derogatory, I mean, generally they're, they're not a very marketable lot. Well, and that's, I mean... Inappropriate comment number six. <laughs> we, we will... Really? <laughs> I like that. Was that inappropriate? No, it's, it's an opinion. It's your own opinion. It's my and opinion. And that's perfectly fine. And, and I'm sticking to it. And that's, that's this is, acceptable. This is George saying this with his Birkenstocks on, by the way, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Very here marketable. He, here he is besmirching the hippie years, element of the, of the environment. For 30 years I said I'm never going to wear those bloody things. And, and my you're wife wearing saw, them. My, and since they appeared on a New York fashion show, I, everyone's wearing them. I now. used to have a that's pair it. of those. Didn't suit me either. <laughs> I'm not going to invest in one then in this crowd. Um, look, it's just, it's so one of those things. It's a, it's opinion based. Um, there are so many people out there that don't like ours and really prefer the other brands out there. And that's perfectly fine too, because we all have the same goal and we all want to make sure people are doing the right thing. That's what the end result is about. It's about everyone having their own glass cup or reusable cup that they don't throw away, Mm. that they reuse to save the environmental aspect and your health. Yes. Mm. That's that. Um, But yes, our our design is really special. There's a lot of love that went into it. I think the thing that sets your Mm. brand apart is is that design element. Yeah. I mean, the function of it's great, but but lots of 
keep cups and they all the cups. function they the all same function way. Yeah. and because there's only so much you can do with a keep cup that's but, right but yours just to me has a, a much higher level of design element to it was we, that really important to you yeah yeah i was so i was such a pain in the ass basically um it was just arguments within within the family of me pushing an idea or a concept, especially with the packaging. Mm. I mean, we were fighting over that, and I just refused, refused to let go of this concept that it is now because I truly believed in the the design element mm. that set us apart and the functionality. And like I said, I'm a huge lover of psychology and mm. human behavior. So every single design part in packaging to cup is based on human behavior and psychology of color and design and feeling of opening the box, opening the lid, um, you know, putting the mouth to the lip of the glass and like every little tiny detail has been thought about. So let's not focus too much on the product. Let's focus on Rebecca. I wanted to go back to some of the challenges you had with your family apart from the packaging. (laughs) What other challenges did you face? Um, well, it's working with family. That's <laughs> no, true. We we all have so much love for each other, but we're also Russian. So, you know, we're a bit feisty, we're a bit fiery. Um, but it all gets fixed with a bottle of vodka. Well, even simpler than that, it's just, you know, if, if there's a little bit of tension or aggression, we know that the intention is out of love mm. and it's out of honesty and it's because of that openness that we get stuff done. And we get really good results because there's no, sorry, bullshit and there's no hiding. Mm. And we just really are 100% open and communicating, even if it's a bit loud. So what's, so, <laughs> so you, so really it's, only, the, the company's only a year and a half old. Mm. What's, are, what's next? Well, where are we now? Yeah. yeah where are we now and what's, what's next? What's next moving forward? Well, right now we're, so we're stocked all over Australia, all over the country. How did you um, pull that off? Oh, that's a good story. Yeah, tell me, how did you get to that level in a year? We, I, I mean, look, only now in the last couple of months do we actually have people on the team and it's still a very small team. There's only two other lovely, lovely people working with us um, plus our full-time warehouse. So it's, it was just me doing sales, really. I mean, obviously I had support of the family and everyone with me and, you know, Mum does the bookkeeping and, and all that jazz, but it was just networking. It was start with who you know. So every single person I possibly knew that could potentially work with me or help me, I was out there talking to. Um, and it was just full on old fashioned door knocking. I would just drop myself in the city or in any suburb that I wished. And I would walk around with, at that time, no samples, not a single sample, um, just a render, just a drawing. And um, a bit of an explanation and, yeah, just got to know every single person I could possibly know and get some opinions and see if I could pre-sell, which I did. That's how we got our first 100 stockists was um, pre-sold with no samples. And and then it was just that was the natural progression of it. It was word of mouth. It was customer, you know, service was really high quality and we connected to all our stockists. We, knew, we know every single person by first name and, and that's just... We maintain that now. So how much of the success of the brand so far do you put down to luck and good timing and how much do you put down to <laughs> hard work and elbow grease? Uh, you know what? It, I, I feel like if it wasn't for war and waste, we definitely wouldn't have had this, you know, kickstart that we had. But, I mean, 
I'm confident enough in my own ability that even if war and waste didn't happen, maybe we wouldn't be as where we are now, but I think it still could have happened the so, same way. So timing and luck, it really Huge. plays a big part in it. Yeah. You know? and yeah, we, think, yeah. So moving forward, I think I guess what, what we try to get in Float Your Boat is, you know, A, what floats your boat, <laughs> yes. um, B, your story and how remarkable it is that you've come so far in such a short period of time after being so unwell. What, what, what is it that drives you? What floats your boat? What makes you feel good? Well, yeah, do you love what you're doing right now? I love it more than anything. And if you asked me two years ago, if you told me two years ago that I'd be the cup lady, because that's what I'm known <laughs> as now. Well, at least lady. you're not the bag lady <laughs> like me. I'm the bag lady. And there you go. You know, I would have There's laughed. There's always time. Yeah. The exactly. village bag lady. Yeah, that's right. I would have absolutely laughed and been like, what are you talking about? As if. Um, but I, I've always been passionate about business. It's people. It's it's understanding human behavior. It's the psychology of business. It's the psychology of people. That is what I understand. That is what I live by and what mm. I love more than anything. Um, and it's making a positive impact. That mm. is my goal in life outside of business, outside of anything. My mission, my value, my personal goals are to create positive impact on those around me and the environment around me. So I am in love with what I'm doing. I've never been happier. I've never, you know, been so sure and so content in the direction I'm going. And, you know, sure there are hurdles along the way with my health or whatever else is going on, but that's life, you know, so what? It would have been something else, so. Yeah, I like I like the fact that you're not a whinger and whiner. Oh, no. no. I do that enough mm. at home. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, what's important, I guess, is uh, you're allowed to whinge and whine if you're on the field playing the game. Mm. But if you're just standing on the sideline doing nothing and whinging and whining. Then you're just annoying. <laughs> just <laughs> annoying. Just, there you go. So, um, so. <laughs> Before we finish, yeah. how do people get in touch with you? Best way to do it is either directly through the website or my contact details are there. It's just soulcups.com. Yep. Um, even my phone number is there, so give me a call if you want to chat. That's S-O-L S-O-L-C-U-P-S. Yeah. And to finish with, mm. we always do this with our with every guest. It's Oh, I'm, I'm going to try not to laugh because I know yes. what your favourite no. song is, which was oh, I was, I was actually God. like, oh, really? Do you know it? Yes, Does of course know I it? know it. I know every song. I grew He's... up listening to that album, like to, to right. all of their records. It's literally all I know. No, but it's not possible that you picked that album yourself. Like someone picked it for you, what right? Do you Who mean? bought it? Who bought the album? Oh, this is my father. Yeah, this right. This is we okay. we had a record players at home and I've yeah. got every single record he had is in my house now. And I, I sit and I still have them because I collect them from all over Europe and I'm obsessed with records. But um it's by far my favorite song. Okay. And it is what by who? <laughs> it's um <laughs> Called Stumbling In by Smokey. Stumbling oh by Smokey. Oh, this is an ode to Eagle. No one even knows Smokey. It's oh, amazing. Come on. Well, we do know Smokey. Yeah. yeah. We're Stumbling are. in. We're, we're, we're as old as your dad. <laughs> it's not that old, so come on. Rebecca, it's been such a pleasure having you into our humble Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Thanks for putting up with us. Oh, anytime. And, um, and, you know, you'll have to come back in a year's time. Yeah. When you when you 
crack the American market because I know that that's what's next for you. Yes, sir. Um, and tell us how it's going. Oh, you'll know along the way. I'll be annoying you. And hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully, we'll be doing some collaboration with our Clean Oceans program uh, with Soul absolutely. Cups as well, which will be great. Mm. Very excited for that. We're really happy about it because we've got. If we put our uh, at the three ages together, it lowers our com- <laughs> our, our age by quite considerable amount, doesn't it, George? Well, you may as well join the Masons, mate. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll drop the average age by thirty years. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Our love is alive, and so we begin. Foolishly laying our hearts on a table, stumbling in. Our love is a flame, burning within. Now and then, firelight will catch us, stumbling. So it-